Previously on In the President's Service. Sometimes I think we should just give Hitler Europe and make peace. Nigel, you can't be serious. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you, alive and well, Colonel Reggie Fister. <gasps> my oh my what? When I quit firing, they assumed I was dead. So I decided to do what you Americans, Helen Paul, play possum. Mrs. Schallmeyer, I am absolutely certain your husband is not a spy. Will is going to die in a week. I hope you can move fast. Henry, get down! Based on A Date with Death, the first book in the series by best-selling author Ace Collins, the Long Highway Players proudly present in the President's Service. Episode 5, Confession Time. Helen Meeker and her partner Henry Reese are special agents for the White House, investigating the case of Reverend Wilbur Schellmeyer, who has falsely confessed to committing treason and is awaiting his execution. Helen and Henry have had a car accident and are pinned down by sniper fire in upstate New York. How many of them are there? Can't be more than one. If there were more, we'd have been Swiss cheese by now. Where's your gun? In the passenger seat of the car. Mine too, in my purse. He can't even see us. Why does he keep firing? He's gotta be going for the gas tank. Did he actually blow us up? Nah, that only works great in the Hollywood movies, not so much in real life. I've been close to an explosion once already this week. I don't need another dozen stitches in my arm. Wish me luck. Luck with what? I'm gonna duck in and grab our guns. Henry, don't! (laughs) Henry! I'm fine, Helen. I'm right here. Here's your gun. He's on the move. How do you know? The angle of the shots is changing. He's heading south, going for position. We've got to get up that hill into those woods. You smell what I smell? Gas. He must have hit the tank after all. Got any matches in your purse? Uh, Yeah. Why? Let me have them. I'm going to start a fire. When he sees the smoke and the flames, he'll move back to get away from the car before it blows. That should give us a few seconds to get out of here. Got it. Here you go. Thanks. Here we go. Cover me. Come on, Henry. Light it up. Go! Keep moving, keep moving. There. Down there behind the tree trunk. Helen! Need you to the woods. Cheater. He started before I did. Well, we made it safely. That's the point. Now what? Uh, the highway's about a hundred yards that way. Uh, should be able to flag down a ride. All right. Let's go. Can we help you folks? Yeah. 
We had some car trouble back a spell. Can you give us a lift to the nearest town? Howdy, folks. My name's David Sellers. I own a farm about ten miles back. Family and I was just taking a few hogs to town. You two with the Red Cross? The uniform gives it away, I guess. Well, then. You folks are welcome to ride with us. Cap's full, though, so you'll have to ride in the back with the hogs. Well, I guess beggars can't be choosers. Just climb in over the back gate. Those hogs are pretty big, but they won't hurt you. Much obliged to you, Mr. Sellers. I'll get in first. Ugh. 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 <laughs> I think they like you. Yeah. <sighs> I bet they have the same charm of manners as uh, Reggie Fista. Ugh. Can't say you didn't bring home the bacon. <laughs> Will you stop already? Henry, how many states do you think have towns named Dion? Scores, probably. When we get home, have the folks at your office find all of them, starting with the ones in the south. My gut tells me Ellen Shellmeyer might be in one of them. I could send out an alert to our people in each state where there's a Zion, but I'll need a photo of the girl. Her school in Newport probably has one. In the yearbook, maybe. And what will you be doing while I'm playing cat and mouse with a Shellmeyer girl? Working for the president, of course. And just what is it you'll be doing for the president? I'm having dinner with Reggie Fister tomorrow night. And here's a suggestion for your dinner date. Yes? Take one of these pigs along. <laughs> oh! <laughs> well, Reggie, it certainly sounds like you're enjoying our city. You've seen more of it in the past few days than most Americans see in a lifetime. It's an amazing city, Helen. I must offer my deepest apologies to you and its other inhabitants. Apology for what? My country's army once burned this great city to the ground. <laughs> Not one of our better moves, I'm afraid. If you'd been serving in the military then, would you have followed those orders? I'm a military man. It's what we do, follow orders. Our obligations are first and foremost to our duties. I don't believe I've ever disobeyed an order. Never? No, but if you had lived then and we had met, I would likely have disregarded that one. I could not have left such a beautiful woman homeless, no matter what my superiors wanted me to do. <laughs> of all your lines tonight, that one might well be the worst. Helen, to be honest, I didn't actually spend much time touring the city the past two days. I spent most of that time finding out more about you. Reggie, you should know I'm not the kind of person who enjoys people snooping into her personal life. Oh, don't get too concerned. It's not the way it sounds. The fact is, I realized the moment we met that I'd never known anyone like you. A lot of people say that about me. They don't always mean it as a good thing. The way you carry yourself, it's almost regal. Your beauty is addictive. Your intelligence and wit are beyond any I've ever known back home. I could study you every day for the next year and never go bored. You should have seen me yesterday. I wasn't exactly regal and addictive. That's another thing that impresses me about you. Your work. The way you operate your cases. Especially the one I read about where you found that little girl and brought her back to her parents. You uncovered clues that everyone else missed. Hmm. That investigation also led to me reuniting with my sister. Allison means the world to me. When this war is over, I hope to get to know her even better. 
Is she still in Chicago? No. Small college in Arkansas. She's a bright girl, and I want her to reach her full potential. Maybe she can be one of those who can make sure we never have wars like this one again. Are you paying for her education? Oh, that's right. Your family had some money. Just how much research did you do on me? I'm sorry if I've made you uncomfortable. You must understand. I'm military intelligence to the bone. When I find an objective, I learn everything I can to help me achieve my goals. Oh, so is that what I am? One of your goals? Helen, I have only a few weeks before I go back to England, which means a very short time to convince you that I need you in my life, and you need me in yours. Reggie, we've just met. Things can't move that quickly. At least not with me. Helen, there is a war on. Thousands dying every day. We can no longer measure our lives in years. Only moments. The moments I have, I want to spend with you. You might well be the last woman I hold and, and the only woman I ever truly come to love. I'm so glad you weren't hurt yesterday. What? When you were in New York. How did you know I was in New York yesterday? I called the White House to try to reach you. The woman who was taking your calls told me where you were. Oh. I, I hate to break up this incredible evening, but it's time for me to go. So soon? I was hoping we could go dancing. Not tonight. I have an early date tomorrow. Helen, please, just hear me out. Yes, Reggie? I'm not sure how much time I have left in this country. When I get back to Britain, my duties will require my full attention. But I would love to monopolize your time for the next few weeks. But I have an important job too, Reggie. What I'm working on now might mean the difference between life and death for a lot of people. And no one else can handle that job for a few weeks? No. Not as well as I can, anyway. Maybe I could talk to the president and convince him how important it would be to have you by my side while I'm in the States. Don't you dare! My work is important, so don't try to get in the way of it. Better men than you have tried and failed. Just what is so important about your current case that you can't spare some time? I'm not at liberty to talk about it. Not with anyone. In short, you don't trust me. Reggie, I can't change what I do or who I am. Walk me to my car, would you? Of course. Helen, just tell me this. You're not doing anything that might put you in harm's way, are you? You said you'd done your research. You ought to know I don't take the easy way out of things. What about your sister? What do you mean? Are you putting her in danger with what you're doing? <laughs> all my sister has to worry about is making sure those college boys don't fall all over each other while lining up for dates with her. Well, here's my packard. Thanks for the nice evening. And for your concern. Helen, don't you understand? I could give you a life where you wouldn't have any risks. Unless you consider loving me a risk. Call me when you're free. That man won't take no for an answer. Better watch yourself, Helen, my dear. All right. Homeward bound. Hey, sister. Don't turn around. Just drive. 
What are you doing in my bed? Shut up. Start driving. Keep going until I say to stop. And don't even think about calling for help. Okay, if you say so. Here we go. Hi, this is Ace Collins. I hope you're enjoying listening to the Long Highway Players production of my book, A Date with Death. If you'd like to find out more about the adventures of Helen Meeker, please check out all the novels that are a part of my In the President Service series at my website. That's www.acecollins.com. And you can purchase A Date with Death or any of the other 19 books in this series at Amazon in both print and ebook formats. Once again, thanks for tuning in and happy reading and happy listening. Okay, sister. Now park by the Lincoln Memorial. Okay. Good. Now get out of the car and leave your purse here. I'm sure you have a gun in there, and I don't want to have to use mine. Understand? Yeah. Now walk up to the top step like you are going to take a look at old Abe. And don't turn around. I'll be right behind you. Are you going to make me recite the Gettysburg Address, too? Shut up. Just keep moving. I know it by heart, you know. I can also recite the preamble to the Constitution, Washington's farewell address, and the President's speech after Pearl Harbor. And I can blow your head off. Now be quiet. Well, maybe I can interest you in a dance move instead. (gasps) Nigel? That's right. I'm sorry I had to bring you here like this. What's this all about? I'm not here to hurt you. I just needed to get you alone so I could tell you something important. Can we sit here on the steps? All right. Did you really have to kidnap me just to talk? Sorry. I'm afraid I don't have Reggie's confidence or charm. How old is this memorial? Two decades. This country is so young. Compared to Europe, yes. Nigel, what is going on with you? I know you're disillusioned about the war, and I understand how you feel about men being sent off to die. But what you did tonight, that's not you. You're a gentleman. You have ideals and manners. I'm also a man who desperately wants peace. Did you know I was going to be a pastor once? Seriously, I wanted to teach men how to love one another, but my country turned me into a killing machine. I hate what I've become, and I hate having to play the hero. I even hate that Reggie is still alive, because it means he'll get the chance to kill even more men. That's a lot of hatred for someone who once considered becoming a minister. I also hate that you're seeing him. You'll fall under his spell, too. Just like every other woman he meets. Is that what this is about, Nigel? If it is, you can relax. I'm not the type of girl to get serious in a hurry. No, that's not the real problem. What's really wrong is that Reggie came back. I was there. He was surrounded by Germans. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes miracles really do happen, Nigel. 
Sometimes God steps in and bends all logic. Well, that almost makes sense. Helen, have you ever had someone take a shot at you? Yes, I have, Nigel. What happens when folks are laying down fire all around you? Well, dirt kicks up. Stuff around me gets hit. Bullets fly past my head. Of course. But none of that happened the night we got away from France. None of it. What do you mean? Except for Holmes. None of us were shot. Scores of Germans shooting at us. And only one casualty. I saw the guns being fired in the woods. And I heard the shots echoing around me. But last night, I got to thinking about it. And suddenly I realized... None of the rounds that were being fired hit the ground around me, the way they would have if people had been shooting at you. Not only that, there wasn't a single bullet hole in the airplane. There should have been hundreds. Well, now that you mention it... And what about Reggie? If he had really drawn the fire away from us, he should have been hit dozens of times. But he only took three bullets. Those soldiers couldn't have been that inaccurate. Not at that range, and not with the training a German soldier gets. So you're suggesting that what happened in France didn't actually happen? I just know that Reggie shouldn't be alive, and neither should the rest of us. And that plane should have never gotten off the ground. If those Germans were waiting for us the whole time, why couldn't they stop us? That's a very good question, Nigel. And it's weird. No one has asked it up to now. There's something I need you to look at. I've got it here in my inside pocket. These are Reggie's medical files. I lifted them from the embassy. Take a look at the doctor's report. The wounds. They were all flesh wounds. Right. That's why he survived. If they'd been serious, he would have died right then and there. Wounds like these would have been made by small caliber weapons, not the stuff the Germans carry into battle. This wasn't war, it was a bird shoot. Ellen, they're sending me back to England tomorrow. What? Why so soon? I don't know. They won't tell me why. But I do know Reggie will be taking my place as Churchill's personal guard. Don't trust him, Helen, whatever you do. After her conversation with Nigel, Helen heads back to her apartment. Okay, I'll be right there. This is Helen Meeker. You're finally home. I've called several times. I had some work to do. What's up? I just wanted to let you know I had a wonderful time tonight. Yes, I think you hinted at that when we said goodnight. (laughs) I suppose I did. But that's not the only reason I called. I have something serious to tell you, and it must stay between us. At least for the moment. What is it? I got some reports this evening from British intelligence, and they indicate that Nigel Andrews might be working for the Germans. Really? I always thought him a good lad, but the entire time we were in France, I sensed one of my men wasn't on the up-and-up. It might have been Nigel. What happened in France that gave you that impression? On the side of the road we were marching on, I found some discarded notes that gave the location of a secret base in Wales. And that's it? I also got word last week that a man who worked with us named Colbert was discovered and killed by the Nazis. Someone in our group must have blown his cover. Forgive me, Reggie, but that seems like pretty weak logic to me. There's more. 
The plane that took my boys home made it off the ground without a single bullet striking it. It makes me wonder if the attack was staged. They killed one of us, but they needed to make sure Nigel got back to England so he could keep feeding them information. Now he's a hero. And that status, along with the new assignments, give him access to plenty of information the Germans could use against us. Well, what you're saying does explain a lot, Reggie. <sighs> I'm very tired. You sleep well, Reggie. You too, Helen. And please stay away from Nigel. Whatever he tells you, don't believe it. Good night. Well, whoever is pulling my chain, they're not going to have an easy time of it. Tubble locks on the door tonight. Helen travels to the prison where Wilbur Schellmeyer is being held on death row to find out the truth about his confession to crimes of treason against the United States. Schellmeyer's not a typical guest for us, Miss Meeker. We usually cater to the organized crime lord types. I'm not used to someone as gentle as Schellmeyer behind these walls. He seems like a sad man who's given up on life. Well, Warden, I think I might know the reason for that. Care to share it? No, not just yet. Perhaps after I talk to him. Sure. He's waiting for you in a room right down the hall. He's shackled, so you should be safe alone with him. Thank you. Follow me. Open it up, Potter. Shelmeyer has a guest. Yeah, sure. Wilbur, this is Miss Helen Meeker. She's from the office of the president. She wants to ask you a few questions, and I've agreed to allow her to be alone with you. I expect you will show her the respect she deserves. Potter will be right outside if you need anything, Miss Meeker. Thank you, Warden Dennis. Should I call you Wilbur, or do you prefer Reverend Shellmeyer? Doesn't matter. Okay. Wilbur, then. I know you didn't spy on the United States. I believe you're innocent. And I think you're willing to die for something you didn't do in order to protect someone you love. I gave him the notes and the photos. I told him what I did. Uh, let me just check something here. Here it is. On the dates you were supposedly spying, you were actually officiating at weddings or funerals, conducting conferences or preaching. There must be some mistake then. Where's the mistake? In your church records? Or in the reports you gave the FBI? I don't know. But I did what I did, and I'm going to pay for it with my life next week. That's your choice, Wilbur. You can die if you want to. But you aren't dying because you were a spy. You're dying because you're protecting someone. So who's really working for the Nazis? Is it your wife? No. No. Virginia knows nothing. I believe you. I've met her. And she's not cut out for this kind of work. Look, why can't you just let this go? Wilbur, if you hadn't confessed, no court in the land would convict you. But I looked at the evidence, and I think you're taking the fall for someone else. No, I did it. Please, leave me alone. I've been to your daughter's grave, Wilbur. When you gave the benediction, you said, Please, Lord, let her body rest in Zion's graces, and let no man ever disturb this vessel. For if they do, they will meet you sooner than later. What did you mean? Nothing. I, I wasn't thinking clearly. It was, it was just the prayer of a father in mourning for his daughter. I agree, Wilbur. 
Men who are thinking clearly don't forget to put a body in a coffin. I, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do, Wilbur. I don't know why you said what you did or whether you thought anyone would understand it, but the last part of that prayer was a warning about what was really in that box. I didn't figure that out until we dug it up and opened it. I am so sorry. I, I wonder if he knew that. If who knew what? Uh, nothing. Nothing. Wilbur, this charade has gone on too long. Two innocent men have died. In a few days, you'll be the third. I'm so sorry. Where is Zion? That's where Ellen is. She's safe in Zion. Zion is heaven. Wilbur, you're playing the role of Christ here, aren't you? You're saving an innocent soul by allowing yourself to be executed. No. Okay, Wilbur. What does the name Nigel Andrews mean to you? Um, uh, Tell me what it is, Wilbur. Uh, he called yesterday. I, I got the message from the warden, but I, I didn't talk to him. Why not? I, I can't tell you anymore. I, I'm sorry. All right. Before I leave, Wilbur, only Jesus can be Jesus. And as I remember the story, he didn't die for a lie. He died for the truth. You're walking to your death because of a promise that someone made to you. I know it. You know it. But think about this, Wilbur. They can't let Ellen go. She knows who they are. She may be still alive right now. But if they haven't already killed her, the minute they know you've died and can't reveal their secret, she's dead. And on top of all that, Wilbur, you're betraying your country. That is a very steep price to pay for living a lie. If you give your life for this, it will serve absolutely no purpose. And a lot more people will die. Think about that, Wilbur. You'll have thrown it all away for nothing at all. It's up to you. Officer Potter, I'm ready to leave. Well, Miss Speaker, what did he tell you? With his eyes, everything. With his words, not much. But I'm hoping he'll ask you to call me. You have my number? I do. He did mention one thing, though. He said you took a call from a man named Nigel Andrews. That's right, yes. Yesterday afternoon. What did Andrews sound like? He sounded... British to me. You have been listening to Episode 5 from In the President's Service. Our story was adapted for podcasts by Michael Messner, who also directed this production. Performers included Andrew Sargent, Art Shingler, Gary Claston, Jennifer Francis, Lance Rodriguez, Laura Brandt, Lindsay Morgan, Max Sullivan, Michael Tucker, Nancy Messner, Nicole Player, Rocky Jacobs, and Sean Small. Also appearing were the author and the director. Theme music by Alex Productions, Creative Commons. This is Rachel Miller. Thank you for listening. <laughs>